So, uh, just to be quite honest, uh, I knew that I was going to do this. Um, clearly, I did not plan for this. Um, I promise I've had a good day. I've had a really good week. Um, I just, I don't know for the past, I don't know, 30 minutes. It's been a roller coaster. Um, not that I'm, I, I am scared. I am scared that, not that you're not going to like it, I hope that you don't like it. I hope that you don't like it and you cannot pull yourself away from it and you cannot forget what Jesus has done for you. So we've been in this series called Forever Changed. And when this idea came to me like a month ago, I guess it's been a month and a half ago, um, I was kind of like toying with like Adam and Eve and like how the world was forever changed by them and all these kind of different things. And I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak on Adam and Eve. That's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm the last one. That's what I'm going to do. Well, yeah, clearly that's not happening. I'm not speaking out of Adam and Eve. Um, so as we've been going through Forever Changed, we've been talking about different people that have been forever changed in the Bible. I know I keep rolling my eyes because I'm being sassy right now, um, <laughs> which is all the time. Um, but he said, you're not going to talk about anybody in the Bible. And I was like, excuse me, I did this series. I am going to talk about somebody in the Bible. And he's like, no, you're not. And this happened for a long time. When I say a long time, like most of today. And um, he said, you're going to talk about them. And I was like, no, I'm not. I don't know them. Only you know them. Um, and he said, no, I want you to talk about how they can be forever changed. And I was like, mm, I'm following you now. Um, so the youth is preparing, and some of our adults are preparing to go to Chicago, which is really um, bomb. Um, super excited to hear the stories and everything. And you're going out there for one mission, and that's to share the gospel. And so tonight, my goal is to make the gospel. I can't make it tangible for you, but I can make it real for you. Because if it's not real for you, how are you going to share it to somebody else? Um, so tonight, we're going to hit the real, real hard parts of the gospel. Um, it's the devil has had all kinds of plays with this message, all kinds of plays. Um, he's taken away a couple of videos, a couple of really th nice things I thought were going to happen. It, it's, it's whatever. The gospel is here. The gospel is real, and it's going to happen. Um, so, Miss Connie, please don't hate me. I'm going to do all of John 19, and I only told her the bottom half. I'm really sorry, Miss Connie. Is that okay? Okay. She just gave me a thumbs up. Okay. Um, but it's just, there's just, there's a lot there. If I was in the kids' department, they would be very upset. They like two verses, one and done. That's how they are. Please have more patience than the, chill, the kids' department, okay? I promise it's good. So I'm in John 19, verse 1, and we're just going to see where he takes us. So it says, Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, king of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I'm going to bring him out to you, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said, Look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priest and temple guards began shouting, Crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. 
I, f I find him not guilty. So I think Pilate's reaction is very interesting. Um, it kind of makes me think of like the courts in today's world. This to me is like if a judge gave somebody a not guilty verdict, but then the jury was like, no, he's guilty. Um, that's kind of where this takes me. And I think sometimes we forget about the role that Pilate plays. Pilate is very in, uh, influential because you have to remember they're having to choose between Jesus and another man if they're going to sin. And they end up releasing the other man and crucifying Jesus. So don't forget that. The people have a big voice in this whole scenario. But Pilate said he's not guilty. See, in verse 7, it says, The Jewish leaders replied, By our law, he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer, a.k.a. he's played the fifth. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Now, this is very interesting because Pilate just gave up his power, did he not? Pilate just said, if you want to crucify him, have at it. But then Pilate's going to come back and say, don't you realize that I'm the person that's in between you and them? But are you, though? Pilate's, Pilate's very interesting, I'll tell you that. Oh, oh, don't, I hope you didn't read ahead. Verse 11, hashtag spoiler, was already up there? Okay, okay, all right, oh, no, no, no. You did, you did not read that, you did not read that. It said, then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Hashtag shook, okay. Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders shouted, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement. It was now about noon of the day of preparation for the Passover, and Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar. The leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So Pilate and Jesus have a very interesting interaction. It happens very fast. I don't know. Um, if I had to guess, this probably lasted about five minutes. If I had to just take a gander. And this is where um, I like to say Jesus kind of got a little sassy with Pilate. Jesus put Pilate back in his place with the truth. Because Pilate was trying to play this mind game with Jesus, like, no, 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 I'm trying to protect you. But then Pilate in front of the people was like, no, no, you can have him. He was being very two-faced. I'm very aware of what that's like, okay? So going on, it says, so they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called Place of the School. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him one on either side with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek so that many people could read it. I think this is interesting. They try to make this sign very equal for everybody. They try to reach everybody. And I was like, okay. I mean, they do it in multiple different languages. That's kind of strange to me. Why wouldn't they just do it in one? Doesn't everybody there just speak the same language? But then I got to thinking, no, he was trying to reach people with what he was doing. That's the kind of same mindset we're supposed to have. Jesus makes this clear. 
language is no barrier. I believe there are certain things that go across all languages. That's the word no, and that's a smile. I mean, y'all can pretty much agree, like, those go a long way, right? But so does Jesus. He doesn't care about a language. This is very interesting to me because when you go to Chicago, you, let's see, you leave for Chicago on Monday, that's less than a week. What if you're trying to speak to somebody that doesn't speak your language? Are you just going to give up on the gospel? Are you just going to say, well, somebody else will come along and take care of that? Are you going to try to reach that person? Because I'm telling you, if it's truly the Holy Spirit, they will know. And I'm sure some of these adults, if not all of them, can vouch for that. That Jesus does not care what language you speak, where you're from, what your background is like. He will ensure if, you're, if you need to hear the gospel, he will be there to meet you in that place. And my favorite picture to think of this is a prisoner. I've said this to many people, many people that think that I'm crazy. So prisoners, um, I feel like, are the most free people. You probably think, yes, Rachel, you're definitely crazy. Um, so prisoners, I don't know if you all know this, their records are public. You can look up anybody, wherever they're in jail, you can look up what they're in for, when they were put in, how long is their sentence, all that. Everything's posted just like that. You know what our sins? They're not posted. Their sins are posted. You know how freeing that must be to be let go of your sin? To know that what's done is done. And now I pay the consequences. They kinda, we kind of have that same choice between heaven and hell. You get to make that same choice. Do you want to die with your sins and know that you did nothing about them? Or you could go to heaven and say, I made the right choice. Ask Jesus into my heart. I'm aware that he died and rose. You get to make that decision, but don't withhold that from somebody just because they don't speak the same language or have the same background as you. I already forgot where I was. Okay. It said, then the leading priest objected and said to Pilate, change it from the king of the Jews to he said, I am the king of the Jews. They added two key words, he said. So they don't believe that he's the king of the Jews. Now, mind you, some of his very own disciples are in this crowd. His mother is even here. And these people are saying these things. They have no voice in this. I like to think about what Mary would have felt like. Not only seeing her son hang up there, knowing the truth about him and the gospel, and then seeing these people say that, not just about him, but about who her true father was. And it said, Pilate replied, No, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, Rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, They divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Standing near, the standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister Mary and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. So here we start again to like the nitty-gritty part. He's been on the cross, and we know that the end is approaching. We know what's about to happen and the words that are about to be said and the form he's about to make, or the bond he's about to make with one person that's hanging there beside him. Because again, two people had two choices to make, the person on his left and the person on his right. 
I think this is very interesting because we also are those very same two people. You get to make the decision just like they did on the left or the right. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a, I'm guessing, high salt branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. It was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. Do you remember his first miracle? It was the water to the wine. I think it's very interesting that that's the last thing that comes from his body. I've never thought about it. That was his first big stance, and that would be his last that they know of. But it's very interesting. We get to know the end of the story. At this point, as they're watching all of this unfold, that is the last thing that they will ever see come from his body. But when they came to Jesus, oh, I already read that part. Okay, sorry. Uh, he sparks a tree so that you also can believe. These things happen in fulfillment of the scriptures that say, not one of his bones will be broken, and they will look on the one they pierced. So that's a very hard scripture. Um, but it's a big part of the gospel because if Jesus didn't pay the ultimate blood sacrifice, then you wouldn't have the privilege to accept him into your heart and go to heaven. Now, when you're sharing the gospel with somebody, it can be very easy to sugarcoat this. And I'm not sure if many of you have watched The Passion of the Cross. Yes? Recommend, do not recommend watching it without tissues, though. That's very hard to watch. But it makes the gospel where you can see it, um, where you almost kind of touch it, but not really. And sometimes, you know, we have different stages of learning. You can be like a visual learner, a listener learner. And something else. I'm sorry. Um, oh, you got to touch. You got to feel it. Well, I'm a combination of all three. So I have to read it, listen to it, watch it, and somewhat touch it. So the first time I watched The Passion of the Christ, I was sitting in my parents' house on the couch. Um, and my parents were downstairs, like doing something. Y'all, it got to the crucifixion, and I was like, oh, Rachel, you possess zero strength and self-control. I lost all sense of myself. And I don't know if you've never watched it. It can be really tough to watch. But I'll say this. I recommend, and you may not recommend this, I recommend that children get to see it. Because sometimes we like to sugarcoat the gospel, especially for children. They need to be aware that Jesus died a really painful death. And it was something that he did not deserve at all. And his family had to watch him endure this. Not only was his mother there, all of his disciples were there Everybody that, just about that he had come in contact with, that was very influential in his life, was there. That's a really tough thing to go through. Um, so when it comes to where I'm at with the gospel, it's, it's odd. You know, like if you're, like once you accept Jesus Christ, it's like you're just kind of like coasting, you know? Like you ever put a car on cruise control? My mama gets on to me for doing that. She says, you're less focused behind the wheel. 
like, Mom, I'm on the interstate. But we do that a lot. We like to put our faith on cruise control and just kind of coast through life. And that can be real good sometimes until something bad happens, and then you're, like, grasping back for Jesus, and then it gets real good again, and then you're coasted. And I don't understand why we're like that. So when I was 12 years old, I was saved at a little church in Lincoln. Um, it's what you imagine a little church in Lincoln to look like. You had to go down a little dirt road. Um, there was a creek, and <laughs> that's where they baptized people was the creek. Um, and it was white, and there was these nice pretty steps and the two double doors, and it was like what you imagine a church. And so that's where I got saved at. I was 12 years old. And then six years later when I was 18, um, on July 3rd, 2016 um, was when I was finally baptized. I know, not what you're supposed to do. That's supposed to be your first act of obedience, but I was weird at the time. And so I waited, and I did it, um, oh, my word, I did it in the lake, the pond, and it was dirty. Um, but I didn't want to do it. I don't know. I was weird, okay? I was just weird, okay? So when I was baptized, this is really weird, again, I did not close my eyes. People close their eyes when you go into water because, well, you're supposed to. Okay? I did not close my eyes because I wanted to remember the moment that I truly left it behind. Not that, that, that it was actually happening. The water had nothing to do with it. Okay? But I wanted to, the, to remember the moment that people saw me as a different person. When I was baptized, I was in Nike shorts, a T-shirt from, like, Circle of Champions. I don't even know if they still do that. Do they still do Circle of Champions? I don't know. I had on a t-shirt, um, and I remember eating jacks afterwards. And so that was my story. Well, I thought that was the end of my testimony. That was real good. That was stellar. Um, I went to college, came here. And I don't know if y'all know this. I came here the first Sunday before I went to college. So, yeah, that's a pretty neat story. Um, and so I've just, I've been, I was kind of coasting there for a while. Um, and I would like to say that many people in this room are probably coasting. Even if something bad happens, you're still kind of coasting. You only come to Jesus when you need him. You might say grace at a meal. You know, if you're feeling frisky and like you're out in public, you know. Not when you're at home by yourself eating that last piece of pizza. You're not going to say grace then. But it's like we're just kind of coasting. And I'm so sick of coasting. I cannot stand it. Not one bit. And I don't like to be mediocre. I don't like to stay the same. Clearly, I just got a new job after having one for only a year. Like, I legit have a problem, but I cannot stand it. I cannot stand when people do not reach their full potential, and I cannot stand when people have something in front of their face and they do not take it. Why do people continue to come to church and do the motions and be stagnant in their faith and just coast through life but not do anything with it? People won't even accept Christ because they're like, mm, that's too emotional for me. Oh, is it, is it going to hurt you to be emotional? What are you, like the Grinch? I don't know what it is. People won't even accept Christ, much less helping the kids department go to a small group. And I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not here to preach to you about that, okay? What I'm here to do is show you what it means to take in the gospel. You don't have to serve in the kids department. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to bring donuts for breakfast. You don't have to do any of it. But what you do have to do is take up your end of the bargain. He's already brought it, and he's literally handed it to you. And now you have to make the decision. Not only are you going to accept it, because that's step one, but step two is you've got to go out and share it. 
there will be at some point when you're in Chicago and you're thinking, I'm supposed to do this. The Holy Spirit is telling me to do this. I'm supposed to share the gospel. What are you going to say? Because sitting right here, you're probably saying, oh, yeah, Rachel, I'm going to do it. How many of you that will back out? And I'm not just speaking to the youth, because I'm telling you, the youth are a lot easier to talk to you than 99% of you adults. Because y'all will say no faster than they will. Because that will make you look weak, which I don't understand at all. Why would you hold somebody back from having the greatest opportunity of their whole life? Not just their whole life here on earth, but their eternity of life. Why would you do that? Why would you keep them from this pleasure? I don't, I've never understood it at all. I don't know if we're just too spoiled or what, but this coasting in our faith has got to stop. Jesus was not coasting on the cross. It was a long journey. It was so long of a journey with the cross that he had to have help. And I'm not sure if many people know that at all. He had to have somebody help him carry the cross because it was such a tough journey. People are going through a tough journey in life, and they have no idea about the gospel. Zero. Even here in the United States, they have no concept of it. Don't be that person that says, no, I'm too scared. Don't coast for one more moment. Church is really great. I really enjoy it. I call it corporate church. That's what I feel like we do. We do corporate church um, or organized worship. Um, but I really enjoy the chaoticness of being a Christian, of where you feel like your life has been raped while you're driving down the car because you didn't do something that you were supposed to do while you were at Charlie's or something. You didn't say the grace because you were too scared people were going to see you. Or you didn't share the gospel with, with some child that you work with because you were too scared. What if, what if they didn't say yes? What if they didn't want to do it? What if they had no clue about the gospel? Would you do that? Would you hold it back from them? That's just something to think on. Um, when I was trying to, like, I was not planning for this at all. Um, I feel very unprepared, but it's whatever. We're doing it. Jesus calls us to be unprepared. He calls us to be unexpected, but be expected for the expected. You know what I'm saying? Um, when it comes to this whole being Christ-like, we sugarcoat it. And I know I've said that a million times, but you got to let the sugarcoating go. The gospel is really hard, and it is really messy, and it's really beautiful, and we love Christmas, but Easter's really hard to get through. We love the parts about where Jesus is a baby, and things are going really good, and Mary and Joseph, they're so happy. And then a couple of years later, when Jesus is a man, he is crucified on a cross. That is really hard. But I like to think of it like a Christian Oreo. You have the two happy parts on the outside and that really rough spot on the inside. Because if you don't forget, on the third day, Jesus did what? He rose. And so the first part of your Oreo, this part of the Oreo, is the birth. And then that hard, hard middle part it's where he died for your sins. But then three days later, bam, there he was. And then he got to spend a couple more days here with us on earth. And then he finally ascended back into heaven. Don't forget, the gospel can just be so hard sometimes to share. But if you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, it changes things. 
And so as you're preparing to go to Chicago and do this whole mission thing, and I probably totally messed up tonight, and it's totally okay, don't forget the three parts of the gospel. There's also a fourth part, and that involves you. Share your story with somebody. I don't care if you're only 12 years old. You've got a story to share with somebody. I know each of you do. I hear y'all all talking all the time. It doesn't, it doesn't take a lot. It just takes being in tune with the Holy Spirit and truly wanting to share the gospel with somebody. And I really hope that y'all have a great time in Chicago, and I can't wait to hear about it all. But somebody had to take a new job in our vacation days. So, like a real adult. I didn't even notice that was a thing. You get your own insurance, and you have to earn vacation days. Who knew? Okay, who knew to ask about benefits? Not me. Um, church is a great place, and I'm so thankful that we get to come into this place, and I hope that you don't take it for granted. And let's not forget, Father's Day is coming up, but I hope that you don't forget about who your true father is. Tonight was really exciting, um, and to just kind of make the gospel a little bit more where you can see it and touch it. We have a quick video to show, and then I'll be back, so don't leave. really quick, but you get to see a lot in just a minute and a couple of seconds, don't you? And, you know, that's kind of about the time that it takes to tell somebody, hey, your name and most of the gospel. It's like a minute and 15 seconds. Not saying you need to rush it, but it's not that scary. And I hope that maybe just somehow we've prepared you enough for this. We've prepared you enough to go somewhere else in this country and wreck not only your faith but somebody else's and maybe, just maybe, bring them to it for the first time. I cannot make you take in the gospel. I cannot bring you to church. But I can kind of show you what I've learned a little bit about. So tonight, um, I think was our last night of Forever Changed. I'm not quite sure. I could be lying. We could be doing it again in two weeks. I'm not sure. Um, even though I was the one that came up with the series, who knows what could happen. Um, but I just want you to know 
the gospel is really cool and it is so worth sharing because I don't want you to be, and I know I'm only talking to the youth, I don't know why, but I want you to know that you can share it. Um, and before I got up here, I was a hot mess, hot mess, with the H-O-W-T, hot. Um, I did not want to do this because the gospel is really scary. Even telling it to like Christians in church, people, because um, you feel like you're going to mess it up. You're not going to mess it up. As long as you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, you're going to rock this. And I cannot wait to not only see the transformations that y'all have, but also those people that you touch in Chicago. Um, so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to have some time to worship. God, I just want to thank you for bringing us here into this place. I'm just getting to be with you and really soak up what you're all about, which is love and sacrifice and true passion for us, your children. I can't believe that you would send your one and only son just to die for us. We are so unworthy and we are so filthy. And all we deserve is the pits of hell. But for some reason, just for some reason, you choose to love us so much that you would do it all. And you've given us the Bible to show us what it was like, to show us the gospel, to let us touch it and read it and know that it's living and it is here for us. But tonight I pray that you would allow somebody to have their hearts open to come back to you. Let them come to you and know that they can be a child of yours and truly be loved for the rest of their lives and that they can walk into heaven and see a mansion that's all theirs. The gospel may seem so simple and so quick and so frivolous and empty, but it is full and it is so full of joy. I pray that you would just continue to be with us and continue to love us. But I pray for this moment that you would wreck some people's hearts. You know what I mean?